So, what have we got left to look forward to? Us refugees. The flotsam and jetsam of death. Maybe. If we still deserve such a thing as mercy, we find each other. And hello and welcome back to Being Human Cast. Um, so uh, we're back and uh, this week we're going to review episode three of season three, um, the episode called Type 4. And I would like to welcome back uh, the guest that I had for episode one, Leah, uh, Kerry. So welcome back, Kerry. Thanks. It's good to be back. Yay. So I, I guess the fact that uh, your cough won't have got any be- better. <laughs> it might but out the fact that, yes. That we pretty much <laughs> recorded these two back to back. I thought I might just come clean because I I made a big deal in the last episode about honesty being important. So (laughs) I've been trying to blag the fact that we did this two weeks apart or four weeks apart, whatever, and your cough has mysteriously not improved at all. (laughs) Well, considering I've had it for a month and it's not gotten any better, it's conceivable that 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 could have happened. But you're right. Honesty is the best policy, and we probably would have just gotten ourselves in a big fix. Well, I would have done. You'd probably be fine, you know. But I'm I've, a I'm a party to the the illusion, so you know. Yes. Anyway, so type four. So obviously, we knew from the previous seasons what type ones, twos, and threes are. You know, obviously, uh, Mitchell, George, and Annie. Um, but we didn't know what type four was until this episode. And uh, I'd just like to say, but I, I was actually quite looking forward. To, have you watched all of Torchwood yet? Uh just decide. Yeah, have you mm-hmm. watched the new Torchwood? Uh, I'm trying to think how many. I have not finished it. I think I have two episodes left. Okay, you know, Torchwood studying the dull day. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, it, ironically, it tied back into what we were saying in episode one. Uh, my favorite part of the whole of Torchwood was actually the last two episodes. Um, and any part <laughs> which I haven't just, seen it. Which haven't seen it, and and and, um, and probably because you've seen the rest of them. Um, but the <laughs> the for me the funny thing is I got so bored watching Torchwood I'd forgotten how many weeks it'd been on for. Yeah, so when I watched <laughs> the last episode, I actually thought there was one more to go. Whoops. So so no, but the great thing about that was I was I braced myself for another episode and then dragging the damn thing out. So when lots of stuff started happening, it caught me by surprise. So I really enjoyed it. Um, good. Yeah, I just they could have just cut like I know, the previous six or something, but you know. Um, well, yeah. Well, so, this isn't the Torchwood podcast, but yeah, I haven't been it's that not, thrilled with but, Miracle Day. That's for sure. Okay. The reason there's see there's a reason for me saying this though, and it's a being human reason, is that I think that episode three, type four, is pretty much the whole of Miracle Day. Sort of. <laughs> okay. Yeah, applied to one person, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, because if you look at it, the whole concept of, of if I just recap quickly on on type four, I mean, um, Mitchell and uh, and George have their like their boys' night, you know, like like conversation thing. And Mitchell talks to George about how um, 
Um, he thinks that he's in love with Annie and stuff. Um, meanwhile, Annie's followed home by Sasha, um, who's a zombie or type four. Um, and I'd just like to say, but I love the bit where uh, Annie's going on about how she followed her home, and George's like, "Well, why didn't you just like you know pop off yourself back home?" And <laughs> she's like, "Oh, I didn't think to do that." <laughs> you know, <laughs> so brilliant. Um, anyway, so the the thing that's interesting about Sasha is that um, what they figure out is they realise there's correlation between the timing of when Sasha became a zombie and the timing of when Mitchell was rescuing Annie and what they work out. And this again adds to Mitchell's never ending, you know, piling on of the guilt is that all the time that Mitchell was in purgatory finding Annie, he'd essentially jammed death's door. Right. So anyone that died in that window weren't able to access uh, the afterlife. Um, so the whole creation of Type Fours were a direct result of Mitchell saving Annie. So yet again, Mi- you know, Mitchell's actions have resulted in suffering for a whole bunch of people. Um, which hey, yay with the guilt for Mitchell. Um, <laughs> even though interestingly enough, it doesn't seem to bother Annie at all. That's what that's one theory bugs me about this episode is that they figure this out that they're essentially responsible. And Annie doesn't even seem to really make that much of a comment on it. I mean, maybe I've missed something, but it doesn't seem to even really bother her too much, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, um, like, you'd, you'd think that she would have, like, just been consumed by the guilt. Yeah. That just seems to be, you know, Annie's type. She doesn't want to hurt anybody. And but, she compensates a little bit, but, you know. But I'm guessing yeah. it perhaps again brings into relief how bad purgatory must have been. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, so so I guess my, my tenuous tortured link is the fact that yeah, essentially type four, the episode's all about somebody does something to which impacts on the way that the world works. Okay. And the result of this is a bunch of people walking around that should be dead who are still alive, okay? And the whole plot of Torchwood, also curiously made in the same Wales area by the same <laughs> BBC people, <laughs> and also starring Kyoin, <laughs> is, is, is that, yes, is that somebody uh, or, some, or some group have done something which changes the world, <laughs> which results in a whole bunch of people being alive that shouldn't be. <laughs> right. And and it was only when I was rewatching Type Four after watching Tortured that I was like, "Whoa, hold a minute! This all sounds very familiar." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, "Yes, I'm sure it's just very coincidental." But it's like, "Hold on a minute," you know. And yeah. also, just like to point out that Toby Whithouse has obviously written episodes of Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> so there's a there's a link. Yeah. I just got me wondering, did he write any Tortured? I don't think he did. No. Hmm. I'm at IMDb to the rescue. I have a mouse I can click. Let's have a look. Um, da, 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 Toby. Let's have a look. Toby, 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 Toby. Yeah, so he he wrote um, School Reunion for Dot 2. 
I'm just going to complete complete tangent here now. So he did uh, he did the score reunion episode dot two, which is the one that reintroduces Sarah Jane. Um, so you can argue that Sarah Jane Adventures came about um, in, in large part because of the uh, episode that he wrote. Um, Vampires of Venice. So he wrote the vampire episode oh, of, uh, of yeah. Doctor Who. So I guess there's some uh, some skill there. Um, and most recently, he wrote the God Complex episode of uh, the last, you know, the most recent series of uh, of Doctor Who. But from what I can see, uh, I can't see any tortured on here. So no, I think he can gladly excuse himself from that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, where was I? Yeah, so, okay, so complete tangent, I know, but I think there are some interesting similarities between the two. Um, so, um, um, so they, they obviously they meet Sasha, who is just this complete footballer's wife, chavvy, loud-mouthed, annoying, <laughs> oh, you really hate her when she first arrives, which I know is probably in- intentional, but oh my god, she's so annoying. Yes, uh, but the strength of that emotion is very, very big. <laughs> yeah, and hard uh, to overcome. No, but you, I, you do find yourself sympathising with her as the episode goes on, yeah. especially you as she, I don't. I think the more she rots, the more I felt sorry for her, because to some extent, I mean. For the other three, you know, what they have to deal with is all well and good. But to some extent, for Sasha, the fact that you know she's supposed to be dead and she's, uh, you know, she's alive, but her body is literally rotting around her. And yeah. you start to think yourself about that. And you watch things like, you know, The Walking Dead and stuff when you've got, um, you know, these skeletons pretty much like, you know, uh, that are still alive in a way. Um, it's that real zombie horror of um, the fact that she's still going on, but it's like a what? How you know? How long will this last? You know? Yeah. How how decayed will she get before she stops being her? And the other difference is, is that at least with your traditional zombie, the key, the main thing about a zombie is the fact that they're a zombie. The fact that there's no real element of their humanity left it's just this base creature that's just rampaging around she's still a completely functioning uh cognitive human-ish type person yeah (laughs) yeah so from her mental faculties perspective nothing has changed she's not a zombie from that perspective she's only a zombie from the physical aspects of it and Mm -hmm. and i think that is a pretty terrifying concept to be you know to be sort of living in a body that's you know petrifying yeah and it's a it's a refreshing take on the you know zombie story type of thing especially when she goes to find her boyfriend um um, and he puts that big hole in her yeah and that's that's just you know okay it's a little it's a little bit it's a bit different yeah, sorry. Sorry, that's the part that I laughed at the most. <laughs> it's when he sort of stoops and sort of looks through the hole, you know. Yeah. And uh, have you have you ever seen Death Becomes Her? 
Yes. I love yes. that movie. Yeah. It, it's that bit in Death Becomes where she's got the hole in her tummy. Yeah. Right. And is I it don't Goldie, know... Goldie Hawn looks through her? Yeah. Or is it Goldie Hawn who has the... Well, one of the two. Oh, yeah. I can't remember now. But it's... Yeah, because the whole twist in that film my apologies those that want to say but seriously you should have seen it by now i mean it's like an old <laughs> film it's um, old, yeah yeah is that basically the, these bunch of women um what uh find this elixir of youth that keeps them looking young and beautiful the the, the catch is is that um they can't actually die well that they can die but their bodies keep living on <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. despite whatever grotesque injuries they might suffer, including having a very big hole in the middle of them. Um, so uh, I don't know if that was in any way, shape or form a, a nod of the hat to that film, but uh, that's all I could think of when she had the big hole in her. Um, I actually didn't think of that, but that would be really cool if it was a kind of a, an homage. Um, homage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, they go out clubbing and um, and yeah, she's and it's a bit where Annie's putting her makeup on, but it's more like she's putting. Um, do you get you have polyfiller in the US? Uh, not that I know of. Uh, you put, it's okay. like plaster. Yeah, it, it's what what polyfiller is, and it's probably a totally different name because polyfiller is like the brand name, so that's what it gets. You know, like a Hoover's called a Hoover, not a vacuum. Mm-hmm. You know. um, polyfiller is like this, but it's like this tub of gunky stuff that if you have a, if you're trying to. Um, if you, I don't know, take down some shelves, you've got a hole in the wall, you can get polyfill and polyfiller in the hole and then you can paint over it. You can sort of sand it down when it's dry. Yeah. And it's just it's spackle. That's what we call it, spackle. Spackle. Mm-hmm. Okay. We could have a <laughs> hole. That's brilliant. Anyway, I think we'll just leave that one to hang. Um, so anyway, I'm pretty sure that she's pretty much using polyfiller to fill in the holes and the gaps and stuff on her face. You know, because you see her, then she's there trawling that white stuff onto her. It's yeah. like, you think, that, that can't be makeup. That's got to be some kind of, like, you know, plaster type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and, and to some extent, she doesn't look that bad when Annie's finished on. I mean, Annie did a pretty good job of patching her up. Um uh, at least good enough that when she's in a club surrounded by the smell of God knows what in the club, no one's going to really notice. Um, and, um, uh, and and it's all going well and good, but then you get a bit where she collapses, you know, yeah, because the bones and her legs are giving up and stuff. And, uh, and it's very macabre, the whole thing. Um uh, and very tragic. And the same that I think if there's any episode in the whole of, of season three that's a fill-in type padding episode, I think it's it's that one. Uh, yeah, I would and, agree. And, and I think that might be why I didn't like it very much. And you don't. I mean, it's probably the first time in any season of Being Human that I thought of an episode in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oddly enough, to some extent, I think the B storyline with Mitchell and Graham is actually probably the more core storyline to the yeah. arc. And it sort of gets hidden behind all the gore and the horror of the zombie and, and, and the fact the episode is called Type 4. But to some extent, if you take all of the, the zombie stuff away, 
what you're left with is some fairly important stuff that advances Mitchell's descent, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, the advances to Mitchell's storyline and to George and Nina's storyline should have overshadowed the zombie. Mm. And they don't. They don't. It, the zombie thing is, it's what I remembered the most about this episode. Yeah. I, I was thinking know, is about that, it. Is that intentional? I mean, I'm wondering, did they write the episode in that way specifically so that you're so distracted by what's going on that if you're not careful, you miss the underlying stuff that's happening um and you have to rewatch it to pick that stuff up i don't know you wonder sometimes they're playing games with you you know i, I uh, would hope not because the things that happen that aren't the zombie storyline are really important like yeah. to, to, yeah. to the overall story so i mean i'd hope that that's i hope they wouldn't intentionally do that because you know there's some people who are going to be really confused <laughs> so hmm so um is there anything else? Uh, oh, and the I mean, bit around. I, I watched this episode twice, so. Yeah. So the the bit around um, uh, when they go into the Morgan stuff as well, and they start looking at the videotapes of. Mm-hmm. Um, the other what people. The, yeah, of what they were doing to other people and uh, how they were trying to dispose of the bodies and stuff. Uh, again, I thought very torturedly. You know, mm-hmm. it. That's all I could think of. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so anything else you want to say about the exciting Type 4, Sasha the Gross, petrifying? Oh, one thing I've got to mention. I love the fact that the werewolves can smell how bad she smells. Oh, that was pretty and, funny. And the whole bit where, like, who is it that wakes up and sniffs? Is it Nina that wakes up and starts sniffing? I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, rolling her nose up. It's like, you know, what the hell? Hell, that smell. Yeah, yeah. I I think that part of why I didn't like this story very much was the very end of episode two sets mm. it up to be this really awesome episode. Like you're like, oh my gosh, what the heck happened here? Yeah. And it's a zombie story, and you're just like, oh, it was a big letdown, I think. And I think that's why I have a hard time liking it. Mm. Is that the letdown from the cliffhanger type ending of episode two and then what episode three actually is was what got to me. Yeah. So especially, I mean, yeah, especially had, as episode four really then picks up the pace again around yeah. Um, yeah, everything that happens there. So yeah. Sorry. You're saying. Something really exciting to be going on with, you know, blood flowing out of the morgue or whatever. And, it was just this. And I was like, really, I think I was just really disappointed. So I wish that they hadn't done the zombie episode and had focused, focused the episode more on Mitchell and George and Nina. To to the detriment of Annie's storyline, obviously, but I don't think this advanced Annie at all either. Well, I think, I think my, uh, just so I can live with the storyline. The bit I don't like about it is that I, for me, the key part of the type four storyline is less around Sasha's journey and more around the consequences of Mitchell and Annie's actions in the fact that they have caused this suffering and everything else. Um, and maybe if they had played that up a little bit more, yeah. that, I think that it would is, have been a better episode. Yeah. I think that is the opportunity that was lost this episode is it was a real opportunity for, uh, I guess, in a way you could have had Annie 
being very angst-ridden over her uh, her guilt of her actions resulting in the suffering of these people um, mm-hmm. globally, potentially, um, which then plays off against Mitchell's angst about the box tunnel people, right. um, which you then would then view as being an opportunity for Mitchell to say, well, you know, the way you're feeling now is the way I'm feeling because of this type thing, which, right. but then obviously Mitchell wouldn't <laughs> ever, wouldn't say. Right. So you, you, you could have the build up to the perfect opportunity for Mitchell to come clean, but and he, he still, and he still doesn't. Um, and I think that as a build of the storyline with the expectation of you're waiting to see Annie's reaction when Mitchell tells her, and then for whatever Richard Mitchell doesn't, um, I think I'd have liked to have seen that more than her getting off with the bloke and it being a bet and her at the yeah. dance floor and yada, 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 yada. Um, yeah. Even though the um, behind-the-scenes bit around the episode where Sinead and Lenore, uh, and Lenore um, um, were saying around... Um, how to do that in the middle of the day, um, 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 you know, sort of um, sober. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Lenora and, uh, and Sinead dancing uh, as you would dance at a club when you've been drinking, acting right. that stone cold sober at like middle of the afternoon. You know? <laughs> um, a little hard. Yeah. Um, so, dun, dun, dun. Um, Okay, so anything else you want to say about the whole Sasha thing before we talk about Graham? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Graham's great. I, I really like Graham. He annoys the crap out of me, even more than Sasha to some extent. But Really? But I just love the fact that he turns up, and every time you see him, he, he becomes more and more like mini Mitchell, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I... I had, very, very strongly reminded me of the movie Single White Female. <laughs> With a uh, God, was that's also another old movie. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I know. I hadn't actually thought of that before, but you're right. Uh, so right. You, With you, you the girl talk- who moves in to the apartment and then becomes that girl, essentially, you know, cuts her hair the same color or cuts her hair the same way, colors it the same, dresses the yes. same, all that stuff. Right so. up to the, the tragic consequences for her boyfriend when he. Uh, right. Realizes right. that he's got the wrong woman in bed with him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's 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 what I thought of when the whole Graham thing came into play. But I really, I really enjoy. It. So it'd be like yeah. single single white vampire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, so. Yeah. No, it's um. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm googling single white female now because uh, <laughs> 1992. Oh God, it's, it's nearly 20 years old. Yes, <laughs> and I remember when that came out. <laughs> it, uh, just as a complete aside, what what got me at um, Dragon Con was when you looked at some of the age of the people queuing up for like the Buffy panels and stuff, mm-hmm. and um, and then the penny drops. That Buffy started in oh god when did Buffy start airing on TV? Ninety four probably so that ninety five. It was early nineties, wasn't it? You know. Yeah. So there are there are children that were born uh, who when Buffy started airing who are now sixteen or 
years old, you know, who have been watching Buffy. It's like there's a whole generation of children of people that watch Buffy who've now watched Buffy. That's a testament to the quality of the writing and the quality of the show, though, that it lasts that long. Because there are shows that, you know, I loved when I was little that you can't pay me to watch now. It's like, oh, my God, this is horrible. So I'm just thinking that I can seriously yeah, see in you know, 2025 sort of thing there being people who are fans of being human who are little kids now. Yeah. yeah freaky. Anyway, so um, I've completely <laughs> digressed. I do this a lot. Um, so, Graham, uh, also it's such an ordinary – I, mean, I don't know um, – I apologize for any listeners called Graham, but um, – um, Graham is just such a average, normal, safe type, ordinary name. I don't know if it has that same sort of feeling the rest, but it's like there's nothing. Yeah, Graham. It's like it's not threatening, though. No. no, it's it's a non-threatening type name. It's a sort of name that they normally give characters in soap opera type TV shows who mm-hmm. are the family doctor or the the, the lawyer. You know, it's not a tough the, guy name. No, it, it's and it's not like a tough guy lawyer. He's the guy that does the family law and looks after like you know helping the old dear with her will and stuff. You know, right. um, so yeah, which is why it fits him so well because he's such this um, to some extent, in a way, weak character. Um, but then when you start finding out more about him and the fact that he he killed his family, I think, hadn't he? Mm-hmm. Became, you don't. I don't recall ever finding out how he became a vampire, um, but having become a vampire, um, he, by the sounds of things, um, wiped out his family. You know, right. so there's something not quite right in the guy's head. He's like, in a way, he's like uh, a baby Herrick, isn't he? You could see that given enough time. He would have gone on to become a Herrick, mm-hmm. you know. What what is missing at this point is like that dark edge, but the slightly unstable malevolence of him it right. is which, it's there. You know? Yeah, which was on its way to being developed at mm. the timing of this episode for sure. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't think he would have been such a creepy stalker. Ah. so. Um, and and again, oh, for fuck's sake, Mitchell, that book of Graham's, which like the book, burn the book, destroy the book. So oh no, I'm angsting over this thing where I killed lots of people. I don't want anyone to find out. But here's a book. Let me <laughs> what hide about it under it? a yeah. Let me hide it in the under underneath this, the board. Yeah, under this neon sign that says, "Hey, look here for lots of information about the thing I don't want you to see." Apparently, in his hundreds of years of living, he's never actually watched a movie where somebody is in a house, steps on a squeaky board. Oh, look, there's stuff underneath there. Yeah. I don't know why people do that. Hide it under the mattress if you're going to hide it. Go put it in a bank safety deposit. But why (laughs) keep it? It's like, you know, he's struggling to deal with the memory of it anyway. Why keep the book? Or take the book, walk in the house and go, Annie, you need to read this book. It's about me. It's like an autobiography of my last few weeks. <laughs> it's a blow, blow, blow account. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, the well. end sucks, but the yeah. yeah. Um, no. So, um, 
Oh, just sometimes it's like, forgot. I think part of the whole thing with season, season three is this unremitting feeling of frustration with Mitchell where you just want to slap the guy. Yeah. It's like, because every single episode where you just think there's every door for him to exit from the mess he's in, every episode that goes by, he closes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's getting himself dug into a corner that's going well, it'll be great dramatic television, that's for sure, but it yeah. could have totally been avoided. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And But, hey, that's, you know, if you avoided it, you wouldn't have much of a series, would you? That's right. right. Um, it would be eight really dull episodes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, no, worries me. Oh, it's fine. All's, all's good. Let's go to the pub. End of. Um, right. Yeah, so, um, so the whole Mitchell-Graham relationship is very odd but here a question for you did you expect Mitchell to kill him no I don't think I did because I didn't see that coming this whole episode is pretty predictable in parts for a being human episode this one's not too difficult to read where it's going because most of them are the whole Sasha thing is pretty telegraphed you know your way through right. and stuff um, did not for a minute see Mitchell staking Graham. No, yeah. I don't I didn't either. I you know, I kinda thought, you know, Graham's this kind of creepy loser guy and Mitchell's gonna have some kind of sympathy, you know, because, you know, he's being human and humans have empathy and sympathy for people and Yeah. No. And I not just, just not just that, but that. way back in season two, when he stepped up to being the big bad and being the leader and um, and everything else, and, and, and the guy in charge. Um, he was put in a position where he had to, um, oh, what was her name? The um, the female vampire that he sticks in the hole underground. Um, oh, I don't remember. Oh, I'll be able to see, I'm sure it does. Um, let's have a quick look, because it's going to bug me otherwise. Sorry about this. This is a fantastically thrilling audio to listen to. Me humming to myself while looking at IMDb. Um, <laughs> oh, it's going to really bug me. Anyway, it'll come back to me in a minute. Is it not Cassie? Um, oh, God. And, and this isn't the first time, but I just like to point out here that for people that have listened to the whole of the podcast, this is probably the third time now that this particular character's name I've forgotten. I'm, just, <laughs> I, I'm so regularly forgetting her name. It's, it's no longer even funny. It, it's it, it's really just embarrassing. Um, That's really funny. Oh, okay. I'm annoyed. Uh, why can't I find her name? Anyway? Oh. So like, it's you know at the end of season, um, it's end of season two, the woman with Daisy helping to bring um, Herrick back from the dead. Kara. Kara, Kara, Kara. There we go. I knew we began with a ka, a curly <laughs> Um. Anyway, so where was I? I'm completely digressing now. Um, yeah, so um, how did I get under Kara? Oh, yes, so way back in season two, when Mitchell was 
needed to kill Kara to prove that he was the big bag and to bring all the vampires into line, he doesn't go through with it. He sticks underground, pulls the teeth out, and pretends that he's done it. Okay? So the evidence you've seen up until now is that when push comes to shove, Mitchell won't go through with that. You know. So I saw, assumed he was going to rough Graham up a bit, scare the shit out of him and pack him up off in his way. And at some point in the future, Graham would come back in some later episode and Mitchell would pay for the fact that he didn't deal with um, um, Graham there and then. And just an aside, if Mitchell had killed Kara in, um, in season two, then she was the one that was egging Daisy on to bring Herrick back. Right. So if he'd actually followed through on what he was supposed to do, then Herrick would have probably remained in the ground. Right. Which, as we watched the rest of season three, that wouldn't have probably been that bad a thing for Mitchell. No. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, yeah, no, I didn't see it coming. I really didn't think that Mitchell was going to. And it's so sudden as well. You know, it's just out of the blue. Mitchell's just sort of explaining how, you know, um, um, you know, um, well, Graham is explaining how he's basically planning to reenact the Boxstar massacres. You know, that, the whole thing is that Mitchell realizes this guy is going to go and start basically re rehashing all of the Mitchell sins. You know, to become more like him, and Mitchell can't handle that. You know? Right. Um, and he does the right thing, you know, by stopping Graham. But no, I didn't expect it. Um, so, um, any more thoughts on Graham? No, I don't think so. I think I just found a review where they also compared it to single white female. <laughs> uh-huh. Cool. Um, so, uh, oh, and I think this is the episode where Nina discovers that, uh, her and George are having their hairy little baby. Yes, this is the that's this is why I wish they had focused a little bit more on George and Nina because yes. this is going to be a big deal. <laughs> oh, and I love that the, they're having the argument where George is having a go at Nina about birth control. And right. I thought you were on the pill, <laughs> and Nina's like, "Well, clearly the uh, the scientists didn't allow for like werewolf transformations, or they yeah, <laughs> they didn't fit that to the formulation. That's for it's sure. the formulation." <laughs> It's, it's like you can just tell that she's such a nurse because the way that she like just answers that, you know, it's that like condescending but slightly technically accurate all at the same time. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, and I like it. I like it because they the whole pregnancy thing brings out a side of Nina that we hadn't really seen before. Mm. You know, which is the unsure and scared and. Especially because also, um, and I don't think it's in this episode, but I think it's later on, isn't it? But when Nina starts revealing the backstory of her childhood. No, I think uh, it's this one. Is it this one where she's like, yeah, where she's um, uh, basically explains to George around um, what it was like for her growing right. up. I think that's where uh, she it's where she starts to give an indication that her her childhood was not very happy. Yes. And that she's terrified of having a kid. Because she doesn't want to become her mom. 
Mm-hmm. That, that's that's the one thing more than anything else that she doesn't want is to become her mom. Right. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's you're right. The whole baby story arc gives you so many different facets of Nina's character that you've never seen before. Um, because she becomes a lot less tolerant of Mitchell because she's now defending her baby. And that that, primal sort of um, natural thing that all parents have to instinctively, uh, you know, instinctively protect their young. Right. Um, I don't know if the werewolf elements in her and George emphasize that as well um, for like a pack animal type perspective or something but whether she becomes a lot more aggressive in her positioning against any perceived threat um, than she ever has. And then you're right it, it does explain her attitude towards Mitchell getting way more uh, militant yeah, and hard line. Militant. Yeah. yeah exactly exactly so yeah. it's very cool um, but it's a real shame that that you know the, the the whole Nina backstory, the amusing hairy little baby bits and stuff and all that, um, that storyline and the whole Mitchell the book Graham you know storyline just gets buried underneath this stunningly noisy sash. zombie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and exactly. It's, it's funny talking it through like this review. If you talking, you know, through this way, it it it, it splits apart. It, it's so clearly com- two completely different episodes, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and like when I've talked off episode, like when we talked about, you know, Leah, um, you have the different storylines, but it's very hard to unwind, you know, those you know, from each other. So. You've got the whole, you know, in the, the first episode, the the dogging, you know, George in jail, Nina rescuing him storyline. But all of that storyline is tied into the house and it then it's tied into this episode because the end result of that is Nina becoming pregnant. And um, so you've got all these different storylines going on, but they're all interwoven and they're, they're in different aspects connected to the mm-hmm. arc the whole Sasha bit is only connected to the arc through uh, the fact that it is the consequence of Mitchell rescuing Annie and that's the one part of the whole Sasha storyline that they don't really spend a lot of time on um, right and that's well yeah I mean it's an afterthought it's almost an afterthought yeah the fact that that's how she became a type four yeah, I, and, they should have spent more time on that aspect of it and yeah. all of the emotional impact to everybody. Because you know, George and Nina actually hold a little bit of guilt there too because yeah. they allowed it to happen. Yeah, you know, they found the guy who was dying. So. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, and it's just oh god, so <laughs> it's as if hey, look, zombies are popular. Walking Dead's doing really well. We need to have a zombie episode in. in being human hey toby go put a zombie episode in being human okay now you've got a zombie episode how can we tie that back to the core right rather right. than it being hey we we need to find uh you know mitchell and annie went to purgatory we we brushed through it in episode one fairly quickly now perhaps we should go back and look and find see the what the what the consequence because it was 
you know, um, you assume the consequence is all the stuff for Mitchell and the wall-shaped bullet, but what's the consequence for Annie of her mm-hmm. being brought back out? And um, the whole, and I think the um, the jamming the door to the afterlife bit and the consequences of that on people is a really good storyline. Uh, I just want yeah. it the other way around. Well, then they could have done a, they could have still had a zombie episode, but they could have a zombie episode, maybe a la, you know, Shaun of the Dead, where, you know, yeah, Sasha's not the only zombie to escape the morgue. You know, others do and, and wreak havoc. And I think well, they could have done something like that. That would have been a lot more fun to watch. Well, you could have had I think Halloween. It would still be silly. Right. Yeah, I mean, you could you could have a silly Halloween type episode where yeah. you know you got a bunch of kids in trick or treat, and amongst them are a whole bunch of bloody zombies, and right. George and Mitchell are going around trying to stop the zombies. Now, I think it probably wouldn't fit very well with a being human episode, but at least it would be funny. Funny. It, it would have been episode. a lot more fun to watch than this particular episode was. I think they could. It could have been way more of a behind the scenes type of story or a backseat story yeah. where it could have given the whole Mitchell um, Graham thing and the George Nina pregnancy more of a front seat. But I, so. I still think they should, you know, just do it as they did it, but change the focus around. Yeah. Yes. And it, and it would have still been fine. So. Yeah, I agree. So any more thoughts on type four? No, other than I just still didn't really like it very much. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I think then we're about done for um, episode three review. So, um, right. hopefully, there'll be again a promo running after this review. If so, great. Um, and thanks again for listening. And uh, all being well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks again, Kerry. You've been an awesome guest as ever. Oh, thanks for having me again. Okay. All the best. Thanks, everyone. Bye. We'll see you later. Okay. I'll see you later, guys. We're just happy to be doing good work. Equality. Yeah, a call coming in, so folks asking for help. Really? It's not folks something we should be striving for. You really should sit down. We'll just leave the captain in until we get back to shooting. Only way to help them is like gravity. We need it what? to stand on this earth as men and women. I'm right behind you, baby. Who the hell are you? We are The Signal. A podcast all about Firefly and Serenity. There's the truth of The Signal. It's Jane being so generous with this cut that confuses and frightens me. It does kind of freeze the blood. On our shows, you will find features, news, reviews, interviews, articles, and anything else we can think of relating to the verse of Firefly and Serenity. It's going to be an all-day event. They've got Brown Coats Redemption. They've got Dr. Horrible. We're continuing to explore the verse, and we want you to join us. Just go to www.serenityfirefly.com. The Signal. We're just happy to be doing good works. What was that? Being Human Cast is a non-profit podcast. Being Human is owned by the BBC and Touchpaper. No copyright infringement is intended. Music used is from Podsafe Audio. You can contact us at feedback at beinghumancast.com or via our website, www.beinghumancast.com. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we'll be here. We'll see you later. Okay.